Hi, I'm Doug Keck, and welcome once again to EWTN's Bookmark. Our guest author is Father Matthew P. Schneider, L.C., the book God Loves the Autistic Mind, Prayer Guide for Those on the Spectrum and Those Who Love Us. Pauline Books and Media, available through our EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com for all things Catholic. It's a pleasure to meet you, Father. Thank you. Uh, and I have to say, specifically, people would have seen you on uh, when, by the time this show airs, uh, haven't been on with Jim and Joy, but I was specifically wanted to talk to you because I have a son who, who is autistic, uh, who's 36 years old, who actually works at the EWTN's religious catalog. And so in reading your book, I found a great affinity, and I was very interested in talking to you about it, and I think it's great what you're doing. Yeah, hopefully the book helps you and your son to really go deeper in your own prayer life. Right, exactly. Well, he's he's way ahead of me in his prayer life, I tell you. <laughs> I can learn from him. What about you? I mean, you weren't really diagnosed, quote-unquote, on the spectrum until fairly late in life, right? Yeah, so I was already ordained a priest, and I didn't do super great. My first assignment being chaplain through, for a K-12 through school. And it was suggested to look at Asperger's at the time. And it was right around when the term Asperger's was being removed from the DSM. So by the time I got diagnosed, it was just autism, mm -hmm. spectrum disorder covering all of the spectrum not having two different diagnoses depending on where you were. Do you think that's one of the reasons why there are such a high percentage of autistic diagnosis? Do you think there's other things going on or a combination? I think the biggest factor is definitely the change in diagnostic criteria. Like I go back and I look at it when I was a kid and I talked to one of my, my sister talked to one of my teachers because she teaches in the Catholic schools there and he said yeah I remember him and by today's standard, I would have I would have sent him for a diagnosis when he was in fourth grade, mm -hmm. but with the criteria that we had back then, I, it wasn't it didn't match the criteria for autism we had right. back then. Well, back in the day when my, my son was actually diagnosed, the neurologist would say if you're verbal at all, you couldn't be autistic. So it changed, and they even had the whole concept of the refrigerator mother that this was a psychological thing. Uh, of a terrible study that was done in in the 50s so we've learned a lot more uh, and, and to the benefit of people being involved which is great which is making the parish welcoming to autistic people right oh definitely I mean my mom is the opposite of a refrigerator mother she's such she's a great mom that uh, two of my sisters uh, after they got married, chose to go and live back on the same street as my mom. So I, when I go home, everybody's right there. Right. Well, it's a horrible <laughs> diagnosis, blaming the, uh, the mother for what yeah. was happening uh, for a child. Now, you say in the beginning, Jesus loves you the way you are is a common refrain in CCD of religious education. However, those of us living on autistic brain don't often feel it. Also, autistics are significantly more likely to be atheists and agnostics, I didn't realize, or to make their own religious system. That's yeah. interesting. Well, I think, I think there's a few different factors for that. One of them is that a lot of times how we try and teach the faith, whether it's CCD or youth ministry or something, is not really adapted for autistic brains. And then I think also autistics tend to be a little more black and white in things, whereas a lot of people right. in the in the in the Very wider society in the way things well, are. Well, also in, in religion, a lot of people in the wider society would say, "Oh, I'm yes, I'm Catholic," and they show up to mass. Christmas and Easter, mm -hmm. whereas I think there's many, many fewer autistics who do that, and if they're, they're either like, I'm, they're I'm Catholic, <laughs> and I'm going to try and make it to Mass every Sunday if I can, uh, or I'm not, right. and I'm just not. Like you said, black and white, I'm yeah. either part of it or I'm out of it. Exactly, and, that, and I think that that, that that kind of like vacating of the middle, which is a huge portion of American Christians, American Catholics, uh, does mean that some are more atheistic 
uh, atheists and, and such. So. Mm -hmm. Now, you talk about the idea, the autistic brain, and the idea that Jesus loves you. Why, why is it harder, do you think, for an autistic person to take that in? Well, I think that there's a number of things. First of all, like I said, there's kind of like, there can often be challenges in the parish. And so we see the parish as the representative of Jesus, representative of the church. And if we don't see ourselves being loved by the parish, it's harder to see, hey, Jesus loves me too. And then also there's a few kind of more specific things with, with autism that can be where I have this specific suffering or even just uh, theory of mind difficulties that right. one of the challenges with autism is what's called theory of mind, which is where when I'm talking to you, I'm looking at your facial expressions and I'm and I'm understanding, okay, you nodded, therefore you're, you're understanding, you're agreeing. Like, are you agreeing or are you just understanding? Well, at this point, I think you're just understanding. Mm. And most people do this subconsciously. I have developed things to do this more consciously, and a lot of autistics have, but this challenge is similar when we're talking to God as when we're talking to someone like you, because I can't, if I don't understand God's mind, how am I going right. to be able to communicate with him? Right, it's, it's interesting too, the experience we had was it's, it's easier to deal sometimes with adults as a child with autism than other children because they tend to not follow a pattern. Kids are erratic. Uh, adults are much more mannered. They tend to follow a pattern that's easier for an autistic person to understand who has trouble sometimes with lack of affect themselves yeah. but can't read other people's emotions as you talk about to some degree with the chaplaincy, yeah. right? Yeah, like I had worked as a, as a religious brother. I had worked for four years uh, in youth ministry where it was kind of uh, evening youth ministry at different parishes uh, with teenagers. And I seemed to do reasonably well there, but really with the younger kids, like the, the elementary school kids, mm -hmm. I really wasn't because you need much more of that, of that reading of the implicit emotions there. And I, I'm, I'm not very good at that, I have found right. out, so. Right, I, I found with my son, even comedy or anything, very broad, very obvious. I mean, they always talk about trains with autistic people yeah. because of kind of, but Thomas the Tank Engine, because of the faces were very, you know, you could see exactly what the emotions are. It was very clear what was going on. That was helpful, I know, for him. Oh, definitely. I think, I think different autistic people take on different kind of special interests where they get way into it, whether it's Thomas the Tank Engine or whether it's, you know, Lego, or mm -hmm. I know when I was a kid, I at one point I was really into the Canadian Mint, and I knew all the different details about the Canadian coins and things like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, uh, you talk about the idea, prayer should be a practice that unites Christians, but unfortunately, how it is presented is not always the most helpful for those with differently structured brains, and you talk about the way they process information. Thus, autistic Christians will tend to pray differently from non-autistic. In what way? Well, I think there's a number of different ways that I go over in the book. I think one of the, the easiest to explain is kind of how we often think of prayer as being very still. Like there's even the, the Bible verse, be still and know that I am God. But what's the point of stillness in prayer? The point of stillness in prayer is to, is to make our mind still, to make our mind a, better able to focus and concentrate and, and communicate with God. Whereas for a lot of autistic people, we're actually have that calm mind, that still mind, more if we're doing some kind of repetitive action, which we call stimming. Like I know for myself, I often right. do it with... Self-stimulation. Yeah, a, right. a well, well, like, you know, like rocking back and forth in a rocking chair or pacing back and forth in a space that, that kind or of... Or talking to yourself, which yeah. is something. Yeah, some, 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 right, some will right. repeat talking to themselves. Some would do like, you know, say the Jesus prayer over and over again. Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, have mercy okay. on me, a sinner. You know, which is a very common Eastern, uh, Eastern Catholic, Eastern Orthodox prayer. 
and, uh, and, or something like that, which will really help them to get deeper into prayer by that. And that's, that's just one example. The book has a number of other examples right. as well. So the goal of the book is to help my fellow autistic Christians and their families pray better. I think this first book that explains autistic prayer and go offers devotions to autistics from the inside. You also say, and you kind of, this is your description of it, it's as if everyone is watching Star Wars while you're watching Star Trek. That's a really updated, they used to say having an autistic child was you, you packed your bag to go to Rome and you ended up getting off the plane and you were in Holland. And it wasn't that Holland was bad, it was just different. Yeah. Well, and I think, and I think uh, like you were talking about Thomas the Tank Engine, Star Wars and Star Trek tend to be very common special interest among autistic people and so it's an example that I think a lot of the audience for a book like this would understand very well along with I think it's also right. they're also understood in the general population right. as well. This book provides something of a roadmap of interstellar guide for the autistic seeking Jesus but it cannot replace your own effort. Yeah. Well, all of us, we, you know, prayer is a gift from God ultimately, but we have to respond to that gift. We have to dedicate that time to prayer. If I say, "Oh, I want to pray," and then and I want to communicate with God, but then I don't dedicate any time during the day to prayer. Well, mm. am I really going to pray with God? Am I really going to communicate with Him? No, we need to be dedicating some amount of time to, right. to that prayer, whether, whether we dedicate that to do Alexio Divina, whether we dedicate that to pray the office, whether we dedicate mm. that to pray the rosary, or whatever we Absolutely. pray, it, we need to dedicate that time to have that communication with God. And I know you make the point out the autistic brain is quite diverse, and I know yeah. in particular with my son, he's very organized, oriented in a sense of he likes a schedule. And, and thanks to the schedule, I now play the rosary every night, which I never did as a kid. But Matt Keck makes sure we play the rosary every night and do the readings every night. And yeah. if we don't, he reminds me that we haven't done them yet. So. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's the type of thing where it's like a lot, of, a lot of autistics like that regularity because one of the challenges with autism is what's called executive dysfunction. So executive function is kind of our brain's kind of pl mental planning area. Mm -hmm. And ours, ours, ours as autistics tends not to be as strong or tends to have variations mm -hmm. on it. And so for some, it's like they have to always have the exact same. Right. For me, at least, it's like I have to have a schedule. Like right. I have to know what the plan is. Like I was in a community in the DC area. And I remember one, one day we, were at, we had our community day and we we're gonna have a community hike, which was already on the schedule. And it's like, oh, let's go down to the mall and find one of the museums, one of the Smithsonian museums to go to and things. And I'm like, no. Let's determine which Smithsonian <laughs> Museum we're going right. to, and and then we and then we head out because I'm going to be stressed the whole way out there if I don't know which one we're going to, whether we're going to the Air and Space Museum right. or the National and Portrait Gallery. Lunch, probably. <laughs> yeah, and we're reading lunch right. and things, right. and, and and like if we have that plan, I'm much I'm much calmer. I'm much less stressed. I thought the part you made here was really good about the different brains and the idea of MRI because in talking about aut autism in general, let alone the fact that the spectrum has got so broad. You could be talking about people who are totally different, as you indicated. Oh yes. Well, well, autism is is not so much uh, a kind of monolithic diagnosis like that. It's not like it's not like uh, you know high blood pressure. If you're above this number, you have high blood pressure. Right. There's, and that's and that's yeah, the wholeness no of the wholeness right. of diagnosis. Whereas autism, it's like you have to have a certain number of check marks in three different areas, and some of those check marks even are can be opposite because one of them is sensory variance and that can be somebody who is a sensory seeker who needs mm -hmm. like is going to come up to you and want you to bear hug them every day and somebody who's super 
doesn't want that at all. Doesn't, doesn't want even like even like the handshake we did beforehand. Right. Before the show, you asked me, is it, is it bother you to do a handshake because some you some understand are very some, tactile some, issues, some, right. some autistics that would be very uncomfortable for. Right. And I think that that, that kind of Well, you even blanket. talk about in the book about wearing a weighted, uh, yeah. like a weighted blanket, which sometimes is used because of the pressure. Yeah. Well, the, which is helpful yeah, for the pressure, autistic many times. Like, so you have a weighted blanket for sleeping, or even right. you'll have weighted lap pads for when right. you're doing, when you're working on the, when and I'm working a, on the computer. It provides so, a calming effect. Yeah, and it's calming, it's just, you know, the weighted lap pad is, I think, like, 15, right. like 10, 15 pounds. It's not that heavy. It's not like it's not like it's like a huge amount of sure. weight, and well, it's just kind of distributed over my over my thighs. Well, in the early days, Kim Temple Grandin had that squeeze machine yeah. that she created and things like that to relieve yeah, that I kind mean, of pressure. I think most today either use like a like something like a weight or something that's kind of uh, tight fabric. Like mm -hmm. like some autistics really like super tight fabric. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. It's also interesting, you say that book's divided into two parts. One is an autistic guide to prayer in a more systematic way. We'll cover types of prayer, how prayer deepens, etc. Part two consists of individual devotions for prayer and meditation, also some individual stories. Right? Yeah, no, well, one of the things I did when I was writing the book was I went out and through my own social media, like I have a social media account. You have a, quite a following, yeah, right? I, well, I have, I have my own personal that's just Father Matthew, which is much more general Catholic stuff, but I also have Autistic Priest, mm -hmm. which is also me, and it's more specific autism stuff. And I, and I sought out people to answer a few questions about their prayer and tell me a few stories about like their own prayer who mm -hmm. are autistic. And I got about two dozen responses or so. And a number of those were worked into the book. All of them, okay. I, I use pseudonyms for all everybody who did that because sure. I think that that's that that's something people want to be probably don't want to be like super public, you know, like James Smith. Whereas right. if it's just like if it's just instead of James Smith, I say Mike right. and don't give a last Absolutely. name. Absolutely, it, it kind of allows them to be more free in expressing how their 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 autistic prayer experience. Now you grew up. You so when you were growing up, did you know you were? You, did you feel different? Could you see that you were different than most of the kids in your class? I did notice something of a difference. Right. I, I I thought of it more of a difference of degree, not a difference of type. When mm -hmm. I was a kid, in that sense, like, okay, I'm I'm not the super athletic. I'm I'm much clumsier than the other kids. I'm I tend to be very good in certain areas of, of schoolwork and things like that, but I didn't see it as like a totally right. different category like we would diagnose it today. Right, more of an intellectual, you had different yeah. interests than many others had, because you had a background in engineering, yeah. uh, and, and again, Asperger's would have been probably the typical thing years ago. I also noticed you say today, even when driving, I will see patterns from license plate numbers, and you actually do math with the digits while you're driving? Well, yeah, I'm just, just thinking through it, it's sometimes like, oh, how can you get like some kind of equation in that or something? I mean, for me, there's different kind of categories people talk about sometimes with autism. Mm -hmm. Like, you go with somebody like Temple Grandin, and she talks very much about her being very spatially oriented, mm -hmm. and she and everything is like space, but for me, it's much more patterns. And it's, you know, whether it's patterns in numbers mm -hmm. or patterns between uh, reading different books on theology or things like that, that where I seem to have a very strong ability and I just do it randomly as I'm going down the highway sometimes. Now you work with computers early on, yeah. but you weren't good at typing. No, I was, okay. my, my, my coordination. You, are you better at it now? Do you do a voice activated? What I, do you I, tend I to do? type most of it, but I'm not, you know, I'm, probably like 18 words a minute or something, which mm -hmm. is not at all like good for typing. Like right. if you're a good typist, you're usually over 30 words right. a minute. And uh, at least I started in computer engineering where, which tends to attract people who are better at typing. So mm -hmm. I was definitely like 
stood out there more than I might stand out in an average crowd where a lot of people who don't who don't do the put in the practice are probably around 18, 20 words a minute too. You say you're hyposensitive and hypersensitive depending on what it is. Yeah, I mean it's just different things. Like I, I am, I in a sense like, like I, like for certain kinds of things like I have to use particular deodorant and stuff because otherwise it can be very irritating. Mm -hmm. Whereas at the other at the other times, like I can be, you know, like a lot of sensory input. It's kind of interesting for me. It's like mm -hmm. where it's like for lighting, for example, mm -hmm. I tend to have a narrower range. But that range happens to be where around where things are for most of the time. Like in my office, I'll tend to have brighter office than the average person. But then I'm the first one to put on sunglasses when we step outside. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's a narrower range, but it's a range that's close enough to the normal mm -hmm. that it's not an issue. Whereas some other autistic people will be, you know, further out where they need everything dark or where they need everything very bright, and that can be more of a challenge. Whereas for mine, it's like normal indoor lighting to outside with sunglasses is about my range. It, it's pretty, most people aren't offended, like, oh, he stepped yeah. outside on a cloudy day and he put on sunglasses. Sunglasses, okay. not out, that far out of the yeah. norm. I mean, I, I'm wearing them a lot of times when I'm the only person wearing them when it's cloudy or something. What about but auditory? That's, that, for many autistic people, can be a real challenge. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the range of normal in right. that sense. I, I have a little bit of a challenge, but nothing that's super obvious in that sense. Like an auditory processing issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I know for myself, Sometimes it's if you're speaking here and we're at a restaurant and the people behind me are right. speaking, it can I have to I have to put in a lot of effort to understand right. what Keep you're saying in front of me yeah, to, from, to, from to, to, to distinguish your right. voice from their voice. Distincting, yeah, distincting. And, and so, yeah. like when I'm at like a, a social event or at a restaurant, I'll do my very best to put my back to the wall because then I can I can focus much much either focus you. on you, right. and even if somebody's talking behind you for whatever reason with me, it's much easier to filter out somebody right. talking behind you than somebody talking behind me if we're in a conversation. Right. I know they used to describe sometimes for an autistic person, it's like a radio that somebody keeps changing the stations while you're trying to listen to one, and the background person is becomes as important or you know as as what the person in front of them is saying. Or you get you get the interference between the stations. If right. Back in the day, or. You know, sometimes you'll have stations that are broadcast, you know, super far at night. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a kid, at nighttime in Canada, we could get, I think it was Sacramento or something like oh, that. Yeah. One of the stations down there had such a powerful thing. You could, if you tuned it right, just yeah. right, it like, you it could get Sacramento. It was probably 50,000 watt, clear I, channel. I, I, US, I don't know what it was, right. but it was like, I was like kind of surprised that I was getting like California radio in Canada because that's a little further than I think AM usually goes. <laughs> Right. You also uh, talk about you have some advantages because of long-term memory. You, they kidded you about being like Wikipedia. Yeah. You know, in the sense that you have the ability. Do you still have that ability? Yeah. I mean, I I could think of it in the way that, like, for instance, I got my bachelor's degree in philosophy and part of like my priestly studies in 2006. I could probably pass almost every exam from mm -hmm. that tomorrow. Right. You said like, that in the book. Uh, like I I got I had I got well above passing and I don't think I could repeat my, my very high grades, but I think I could pass, pass most right. of those courses today, which is probably not the average person who 15 years so when after they studied when you're something. remembering, do you see it in your mind? Do you see the pages? What do you, what's your experience? I kind of just see kind of like the patterns and the connections right. a lot of okay. times and, and things like that. I'm not so much 
you know, necessarily a page. Sometimes, when, sometimes when, it is a page. I'll remember, right. oh, this was at the bottom of the page, right, or this right. was at the top of the page or something. You could look like, look, look at a page like so, that? Sometimes, Some people yeah. can do that. Sometimes yeah. in my memory I'll remember, oh, that was at the bottom, bottom page, of the that page, was at the top right. of the page. And, and you reread the page. Yeah. Try to find the what you're looking for. When did you realize that? And I thought this was interesting. I have it a little bit of it when it comes to uh, people I know growing up. Ask me about things when we were kids, and I remember them clear as day, and they they have no memory of it at all. Yeah. And I'm I was surprised, like what you said here, and I I just thought, well, doesn't everybody remember that? Well, it just depends because it's interesting for me that I have a really good remember uh, memory of like dates information, but then like names and faces I'm not the best at. Right. Like like when we're when we're going back to our childhood, my sister, who's uh, three years younger than me, will remember more people's names okay. names and stuff and exact kind of like situations we were in and things. Whereas whereas when she mentioned I'll be like, Oh, I kinda remember that, but I had you not mentioned I wouldn't have remembered it. Right. Let me ask you one of the things I know and I hate to be bring up my son, but he will know people but if they show up in a place he's not used to seeing them, he has trouble recognizing who they are. Well, I mean, you ha you can have trouble like just processing it in that right. sense because it's just kind of making out the face and things like that. And and I know that you know it sometimes is a challenge for me making out people who are similar, uh, right. similar faces and things like oh is that is it this person or that person or is it somebody else who looks kind of like right. them and things. Right. Well, let's talk about, because you have a lot of great material in here for a family dealing with this, but let's talk about how it impacts your priesthood or does it? Well, I think in, in a way it does. After I was diagnosed, I was talking to my provincial, so like think of like a bishop for a diocesan mm. priest. And I was saying, hey, look, like like originally when I, I wanted to get back to do like, go back to school to be school chaplain or, or youth minister or something like that, but I said, look, you know, like looking at my, my skills here and the the needs of the community and such. What I want to propose is, uh, why don't I do a doctoral degree in theology and then teach theology in, uh, you know, a Catholic university mm -hmm. or a seminary in in the U.S. or Canada? Uh, and and he and I gave a little more detail and things. And he he said, oh, that sounds very good. And so I, that's what I've just done. I just mm -hmm. finished my doctoral thesis in moral theology in July, and uh, this year I'm teaching uh, Belmont Abbey College in North Carolina. So. so so in a way you're playing to your strength. You looked yeah. at what where am I strong in. Let me focus on that. Well, yeah, in that sense. And use like, your gifts that way. Yeah, and so it's, you know, lots of priests are better at being parish priests. And I think I am, I'm based on those, the skills and talents and the dif deficiencies, I'm probably better at being a theology professor than I would be as a parish priest. Mm -hmm. And so why don't I do that? Because, you know, teaching theology is well within what's, what, what a priest, what ministry priest should be doing, I think. Right. Now, you put an appendix in the back that talks about autism itself. Yeah. Why did you decide to do that? Well, I, I, I didn't actually do that in the first draft. The right. Pauline Press, their editor, said it would be good to have that for, for people. And their thing was, let's say, let's say a teacher in a Catholic school gets this book uh, for dealing with a student who's autistic or something like that. So they have kind of a little bit of a background from that sense mm -hmm. of what autism, what autism is. Somebody like you as an autistic son, you, you don't really need right. to read that appendix. That's why it's an appendix, not a chapter in that sense, because it's kind of for a certain section of the audience mm -hmm. who might not have come in with that knowledge, whereas if a, a large portion of the audience will come in with that knowledge, so it's not really necessary for them. Mm -hmm. And so... It's, that's why you put it as an appendix. <laughs> do you still do info dumping? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> I mean, that's to a certain extent, teaching theology classes 
basically that. <laughs> Not exactly, but a lot of times it's very similar to that, where you're just basically, you know, uh, 45 minutes, what I know about the, the baptism and explaining baptism for 45 straight minutes. That's, you know, that was a theology class I taught last week. Autistic is, as Jesus planned, in God's eyes, being autistic is not wrong. Are, are there people who actually think that? Well, I think so. I think there's a few examples there of people who, who are in, in the, in, who are like, let's pray autism out. And I think a lot of times people can, who are autistic or who have autistic family members can, can focus on the negative of autism because there are negatives. There's difficulties, there's challenges that come with being autistic and not see the positives. And so part of it is, is part of the point there is to bring out, hey, there are the negatives, but they're not overwhelming. They, they come together with positives. Right, in fact, you're thanking God for autism. Uh, another chapter, you, you talk a story about when sensory overload comes. That's something many times yeah. in autistic. Do you still experience that? Myself, not a ton. I, I can at times if I, you know, if I don't take care of myself, I notice. Like if I'm gonna go downtown, it's kind of a lot of noise or things, or I'm, you know, I just avoid certain things. Like I'm not gonna go to a college football game mm -hmm. uh, and be in the stands because I, I might have something like that because I do realize, okay, that's probably, that's probably something that might set it off and I'm perfectly happy, you know, watching the game at home with one, with one or two friends mm -hmm. rather than in the stadium. Right, so it's just large noise yeah, like, bother you or distract you or? Well, it's not just the it's not just the volume; it's also the cacophony of the noise type I thing. See, whereas, right. you, whereas that's where, like, an example of like a busy downtown area where you're having cars and people talking, right. all these different sounds, or a college football game where there's all kinds of Is sounds. Is it distracting around. for you? It can be very distracting in, in, in that sense. So that's that's where I would say I would try and you know avoid and, it. And it brings stress. Yeah, it can bring stress. I know, like. Um, the last time I really felt anything like that is I noticed it was getting close to that level. Mm -hmm. So I was in Philadelphia a few years ago and Bishop Nelson Perez, Archbishop Nelson Perez had his kind of inauguration mass, whatever you technically call it, when he came in, because right. he was already a bishop. Right. Uh, and he was, become, he was taking the, the seat as the archbishop there in Philadelphia. Right, right. Uh, after Chapu. And I was at the mass right. and at the end I was just like, I got in the car and I'm like, I just like, like kind of like was out of it in the way home with the, mm -hmm. with the others in my community. I sat in the back seat and just was totally zoned out and totally overwhelmed in that sense right, from just, all the different noises right. and and all the different activities of you know a big small mass like the that. Bells, the crowd, <laughs> all of those things, sensory. Yeah, all those sensory you things you would have in you know a, long, right, a big right. long mass well, like that. Well, we really appreciate you uh, coming out in a sense of making this book available for people to see yeah. that uh, you know. Uh, the gifts of autism and how they can be used different ways in the church. God loves the autistic mind. He certainly does. Father Matthew P. Schneider, LC. And of course, it's a prayer guide for those on the spectrum and those who love us. And uh, they're well loved by their families, I'll tell you. The book's available through the EWTN Religious Catalog, EWTNRC.com, all things Catholic. Join us next time on Bookmark. I'm Doug Keck. Thanks.